Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of New Age Life Podcast. I'm your host Garima and today we have Jess Reed. Or is it Reed? <laughs> yes, it's Jess Reed. Thank you Garima for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. So can you tell the audience about yourself? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Jess and I am a self-care keto coach. I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. Wow, that's great. I think a lot of women are conscious about their weight every time. Yes, absolutely. And I struggled with my weight most of my life. So I'm very familiar with that internal battle. Um, Mm -hmm. Ever since I was a child, I struggled with my weight as a kid. And to make matters worse, actually, I am a twin. And so my twin sister, yeah, we are not identical. Um, We're fraternal twins. Yet still people expect you to look alike, I suppose. And Mm so, um, yeah, frequently growing up in the 1980s, people would comment to your face, to my face in front of my mother and everything. Oh, she's the short, fat one. And there's (laughs) the tall, skinny one. And so that really wounded me as a child, as you can imagine. And so even once I did um, lose weight and, you know, got to a healthy body weight, I continued to always see myself as an overweight person. And Mm -hmm. that, that was really difficult for me to shift out of that belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did gain about 40 pounds in the course of a year in my mid twenties after going through a pretty, um, traumatic thing in my life. And I struggled with depression. I, um, really struggled with my self image and my self-esteem and mm-hmm. I found myself hiding out from my life, literally, mm-hmm. um, hiding, like not accepting invitations to hang out with people, not taking opportunities at work not so just because I was Absolutely. Yeah. Because I found myself so self-conscious whenever it was time to go anywhere, even to go to church at the time, you know, I was trying on six or seven different outfits before work in the morning and finding myself in a puddle of tears because I didn't want to wear anything. I didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anyone. And I was hiding out from my life and it really stole away a lot of my confidence, um, Mm -hmm. to fully live my life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, at, at that point I was desperate to lose weight. And so I found, uh, Atkins, I don't know if you've heard of the Atkins diet. Um, it was very, very popular in the late nineties or early two thousands as a low carb diet. And it was something that I saw my mom do when I was a teenager as a way to lose weight quickly. And so that's how I approached it. Definitely from a very disordered mindset. I just wanted to lose 10 pounds as quickly as I possibly could. It was three weeks before us Thanksgiving. And I obviously <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to last very long. I was thinking I'm just going to drop 10 pounds in two weeks and then get on with my life and have a good Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so surprised at how much it completely transformed my mindset. Um, mm-hmm. I finally felt food freedom for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I did lose 10 pounds in those two weeks. And I continued to stick with it, not because I wanted to keep losing more weight. I did, but because I finally felt so much freedom around food for the first time. Finally, um, I felt satisfied with the foods that I was eating. I was no longer hungry. I was no longer experiencing cravings. I was no, no, no longer having obsessive food thoughts. And so that's what changed everything for me and why I say I eat keto as a form of self-care. Wow. So that's a great, uh, great transformation uh, you must have experienced. Yeah, it definitely changed everything for me to be able to Mm -hmm. go through um, 
the, the brain chemical change of, of what happens when you change the way that you eat. We don't realize that all of the foods that we consume have a reaction inside of our body, literally a physical, a hormonal, a chemical reaction inside of our body. So the foods that we eat definitely impact the way that we feel and the way that we think, uh, and the way that we experience and go through life. And so simply shifting my nutrition, my fuel source, um, greatly improved my mindset, my, my mood, um, it lessened my depression. It lessened my anxiety and it gave me so much more energy and clearer thoughts. It cleared up my skin. It cleared up my digestion. It literally felt like a magical experience. I was wondering why nobody had ever told me that this existed. Um, and so it didn't take me very long until I had a dream in my heart of, you know, I have to share this experience with other women. And I, and I wanted to become a coach that would mm-hmm. help women, um, you know, to learn to lose weight through this way. Cause it is a very effective way to lose weight, but I find that it's also the most enjoyable and, um, easy way to lose weight because mm-hmm. I've tried everything before this. And so I wanted to share that experience with other women. It, it gave me the mental edge and the energy to then mm-hmm. start to change my mindsets surrounding food. Cause I definitely struggled with disorder eating for most of my life. And it was through the, the mindset work and the changing of beliefs that I was actually able to heal my relationship with food and my body. Mm-hmm. So this uh, keto diet plan that uh, yeah. you, you talk about, so what, what is it? Can you explain? Absolutely. So keto stands for ketosis mm-hmm. and ketosis is a metabolic state. Your body has the ability to be in one of two metabolic states. The first metabolic state is to be burning sugar as your primary fuel source or carbohydrates. So any food that has carbohydrates in it, like bread, rice, potatoes, um, any kind of starchy vegetables, things like that, fruits, they're loaded with carbohydrates and they're not necessarily bad for you per se. Um, but when your body consumes too many carbohydrates, what happens is your body stores that as fat. So carbohydrates are the simplest form of energy for our body to break down and use immediately and and put to use for energy. The problem is, you know, that we consume way too many of them and then (laughs) our body, you know, stores all of that as fat. And then we are riding what's basically a blood sugar roller coaster because what happens is the carbohydrates spike your blood sugar you go way up, you get an energy peak. It feels really good, like a sugar high. And then, you know, two hours later it dips back down and then you start to feel lethargic. You feel like kind of like a post-lunch slump, a carb coma, you know, around 3 PM and you just want to drink some coffee and have some more sugar. Yes. Yes. And so, um, when you're riding that blood sugar roller coaster, you're very dependent upon food and your brain is compelling you to Mm. eat more so that you have more energy. So that's just one way to have the energy that your body needs. There's another metabolic state um, of burning fat for fuel instead. And Mm. so in the absence of carbohydrates, when your body doesn't have carbohydrates to burn, it switches to a backup fuel source, which is to burn fat for fuel. Mm. And, And this includes burning your stored body fat. So it's kind of like bears when they hibernate, you know, they'll eat all summer long and then they'll hibernate in the winter. So they get nice and fat, you know, up until winter <laughs> time, they'll go in a cave and yeah. their bodies survive because mm. what 
they're going into ketosis. They're going into burning their stored body fat for fuel. Hmm. And so we also, as humans are able to switch between these two metabolic states and kind of the benefit of switching into ketosis is that it changes the way that your brain works. Hmm. It gives you more energy and clearer thought. Probably the reason for this is because, you know, our ancestors hundreds of years ago, you know, were hunting and foraging for food. And Mm. when you didn't have food available, you want to have more energy and be more mentally alert so that you can hunt more effectively and get to a a food source more effectively. Imagine Mm. if you, you know, had no food, but then your body was just so drained and, you know, you feel like you're dying. Well, then you would die. (laughs) So um, not a lot of people realize this, but when you tap into burning burning fat for fuel instead, um, Mm. not only do you lose weight because you're burning your body's stored uh, mm-hmm. body fat for fuel, but it also gives so many brain benefits too. And that's what I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here you have talked about carbohydrates and fats and, uh, and then there are also other classes of food like the protein vitamins, yes. you know, yes. I mean, yes. which are also essential for proper functioning. But the problem is that usually people have this, uh, you know, imbalance in their diet, you know, and especially mm-hmm. going for all these junk food that it, it causes obesity, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there's actually macronutrients and micronutrients. So there's three different types of macronutrients, and that is carbohydrates, fat, and protein. And so out of these macronutrients, two of them are essential and one of them is not essential. So it's actually carbohydrates that are non-essential. So, you know, fats break down into fatty acids and there are, this is just science, you know, it's not me making this (laughs) up, but you know, there are essential fatty acids and what essential fatty acids means is that Mm -hmm. your body cannot produce these on its own. You Mm -hmm. must get them from a dietary source in order to survive. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's called an essential fatty acid. And then there are essential amino acids, and this is protein breaks down into amino acids. So again, essential means you must get this from the dietary food that you're consuming. Your body is not capable of just producing it on its own, but there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate because your body has the ability to make carbohydrates out of protein and out of fat. It can convert protein into glucose. It can convert fat into glucose. So there's actually not an essential need to consume glucose through your diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the, what you are saying that uh, your body can convert protein into carbohydrates or fats into carbohydrate. I think that is in, in an extreme circumstance if you don't take carbohydrate. Correct. If you, if you do not eat carbohydrates, your body will produce the sugar that it needs from fat and from protein. Mm -hmm. And in that way, then you start losing the extra weight. Yes. Yep. That's exactly how it works. So your body becomes, um, very satiated with the foods that you're eating because fat and protein, um, basically makes you feel more full than carbohydrates. Um, you're, Think about when you eat a steak and you cannot eat another bite of steak. Your brain tells you very clearly, like I am full. I don't want any more steak, but if you're eating a box of Cheez-Its, 
<laughs> or bugles or Oreos, you know, your brain does not tell you to stop eating those things. There's yeah. always room for more carbohydrates. Yes. Yeah. And so it's protein and fat that is really providing us so much more nourishment again, because of their essential um, to mm. our body. And so our body is signaling, I need more protein. I need more fat. And so your body will actually compel you to keep eating until you've met your specifically your protein uh, quotient for the day. Wow. So uh, after you uh, after you went through the keto diet and then you noticed the difference that you felt that you felt much better and you were able to lose weight and then you said that you started you became a coach uh, for women. So how did that happen? Yeah, um, probably about a year into this way of eating, mm -hmm. I had a dream in my heart to help other women on this journey too. But what I started to do was go through my own personal development work. So keto, just eating keto did not change my mindsets, right? I actually had to do the work of confronting that myself. But what I will say is that it gave me the mental energy to do that mindset work. So I kind of compare it to how sometimes people are just truly so depressed or so anxious that they need some type of medication to be able to help reset their brain chemistry. So that they can then do the work in therapy of like getting to the root issue. You know, what happened to you as a child and what type of beliefs are holding you back and dealing with feelings of, you know, esteem and self-worth and all of these things that are truly holding us back from living a healthy life. Right. So it's our thoughts, but also there's validity to the fact that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a serotonin imbalance or it's a brain chemical imbalance. Right. And yeah. so I, I, tr I treat it that way. It's a one, two punch. You really have to have both, um, the physiological needs met of changing up your brain chemistry to get to a place where you actually have the mental clarity and the energy to start to confront some of these mindsets, because if you're riding a blood sugar roller coaster all day, and you're feeling like you're a prisoner to food and to sugar, you're not going to have any mind space to be able to start working through, well, why is this? What's really going on? How is my relationship with food? What kind of beliefs do I hold about body image and self-worth and all of these things related to weight? Mm -hmm. um, it becomes very, very difficult to actually do that when you're feeling crappy and when you're feeling tired and when you're feeling guilty and all mm -hmm. of these things that kind of come along with um, riding the blood sugar roller coaster and dealing with sugar addiction and processed food addiction and all of that. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, you know, um, usually apart from the dieting, there's also the factor of exercise, you know, usually yeah. people, they, they encourage that not only depend on only the change of the diet, but also keep yourself healthy uh, by exercising. Yes, yes. So exercise in terms of being effective for weight loss, I think is kind of overrated. Um, so you'll see so many women, especially this became really popular in like the 1970s and the 1980s, do your cardio, you know, go running, spend, the, spend hours at the gym on the treadmill and burn off those calories. And a lot of people will, you know, go for a long run and then stop at Starbucks and get themselves a giant frappuccino and a blueberry muffin, right? <laughs> to, re to reward themselves. And so exercise. I, I am a big fan of exercise mm. for health benefits and specifically for mental health benefits for sure. But I think that simply looking at the number of calories that you're burning, um, it's not really effective for weight loss. And the reason for that 
is basically because it puts your body into um, a state of stress to exercise. It's good stress, but it still puts your body into a state of stress. And so when your body is coming down from that, you, your brain is physiologically compelling you to feel more hunger and to make up for the energy that you just burned by eating more food. And so a lot of times the food choices that we make end up backfiring and kind of canceling out the exercise that we just did. For example, if you go for a 30 minute run and burn Mm -hmm. 400 calories, but then you stop at Starbucks and have a blueberry muffin, that's 400 (laughs) calories right there. And then having your Frappuccino is probably another 600. So you've actually, you know, gone in the hole, you've made matters worse. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I mean when I say it can kind of backfire. Also, a lot of times exercise can cause um, inflammation in the body. So, um, and that's a good thing as well. Your body works on healing itself. If you're tearing muscles and getting stronger, that's how the body Mm -hmm. repairs itself is through inflammation. But what happens is when your body is inflamed, uh, you hold on to water weight. And so I see this a lot with my clients. They'll try to start a new workout regimen at the same time that they're starting a new way of eating. Mm -hmm. and your body holds onto water. And so they're actually gaining weight when they're trying so hard to exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that I just try to, um, help my clients understand basically, because I think a lot of times we don't understand it and then we get so mad and just want to give up. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess for such cases, people need somebody to guide them on the, you know, on how to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely recommend exercise with my clients, just Mm -hmm. not starting a new exercise routine at the same time that you're starting to eat keto. I'd say, Mm -hmm. give it a few weeks of eating keto and let your body adjust because there is an adjustment period where your body switches fuel sources. Mm -hmm. And when you're used to running off of sugar for fuel, um, and then you switch over to burning fat for fuel during that transition, which can take about a week, Um, you might feel kind of extra tired and that's very normal. And so to try to push your body into starting a new workout routine at the exact same time, it's just not going to go well. Um, But if you get through those first couple of weeks of going into ketosis, remember I said, you get so much more energy, your mood uplifts, all of these things, you're sleeping better. And so your body's going to be a lot more equipped a few weeks in to then start a new exercise routine. And again, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. And in fact, light exercise is probably going to be better for you as you're starting out. If, if specifically you're trying to lose weight, um, walking, um, light resistance, exercise, yoga, Pilates, things like that are going to be a lot better, um, for weight loss than, um, doing CrossFit. And again, that's just because if you do the CrossFit, you're going to be tearing so many muscles, you're going to be inflamed. Your body's going to be holding onto water weight and you'll probably feel discouraged. Also your appetite is going to go way up if you're trying to do intense exercise. So I think starting out, you know, that it's best to do some light exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, all those, uh, like, you know, extreme exercises, I think they are either like they are for the sports people or like, you know, celebrities that they have to have a particular sort of physique, you know, yes. so mm-hmm. not necessarily for the health aspect, but to, you know, look good, you know, especially with all the abs and <laughs> muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having strength is definitely important for longevity. Um, mm. But yeah, you don't need to have a six pack to have enough strength to have a long, enjoyable life. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes I used to see the videos of like celebrities when they are preparing for uh, a movie, you know, yes. 
and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they talk about like some even the change in their diet you know along with the exercise so i i think it, it they they focus more on because of the type of role that they have to do in the movie so mm-hmm. they will have some some trainer who will also tell them the type of nutrition to take and then the type of exercise and they will do really extreme exercise for a few hours in a day every day you know mm-hmm. yeah and that's definitely not something that's actually sustainable for them you know like and bodybuilders do the same thing they'll go to a competition they'll go to a show um mm-hmm. but they they've just gone through what they would call a cutting phase you know, and so where they're trying to lose a massive amount of weight, including water weight, because it shows off their muscles even more. But then as mm-hmm. soon as that show is over, they cannot sustain that look and feel that they look mm-hmm. like on the, on the stage, neither can actors. It's, it's not sustainable. So you don't have to do anything that crazy to get to a healthy body weight. But <laughs> something that we can take away from it is the nutrition plan that they follow is interesting because they will cut carbohydrates and then they will uh, drastically increase their protein as well. The only difference is that they're eating low fat as well at the same time. Um, so that's very difficult to do. And I, I don't recommend it. I definitely recommend high protein and restricting carbohydrates, but allowing yourself to eat enough fat so that you feel satiated. Um, that's going to be the big difference there. And it's going to feel enjoyable and easy. Meanwhile, these, these people that are preparing for a show, they're eating a whole bunch of lean protein, like chicken breast or shrimp or something like that. And just they're steamed broccoli, but they're cutting the fat as well so that they'll lose weight faster. The problem is that it's not enjoyable at all. It feels like misery to them. And they'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you start your coaching? I started eating keto in 2013. I had my dream to start a coaching practice in 2014, but I sat on it for a very long time. I was too scared, Um, Mm -hmm. but finally had the courage in 2017. I started it part-time while I still kept my full-time job. And then in um, February of 2020, I finally left my full-time job to pursue my coaching practice full-time. Okay. So uh, the type of clients, what type of clients have you received since then? Oh my goodness. Well, they're all very different and yet they share some similarities. So I do work exclusively with women. Mm-hmm. And I find that the type of women who come to me, it really, all of us, I think as women can struggle with some of these similar patterns. Um, so a big similar pattern that I see is emotional eating and mm-hmm. you know what we would consider to be self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. The reason for the emotional eating is usually that we're trying to self-soothe um, some type of unmet need in our lives. A lot of times the women that I work with are feeling exhausted, mm-hmm. tired, resentful, um, guilty, angry, frustrated. Um, so these are the, some of the similar <laughs> patterns that we find ourselves stuck in unfulfilled, you know, mm-hmm. um, because specifically as women, the roles that we've been taught to play are um, to be self-sacrificial. And that that is the ultimate sign of a loving wife and mother is just to put yourself on the back burner and put everybody else ahead of you and be pleasing and don't make any waves and, you know, just play that role that everybody else needs you to play. That's Mm -hmm. one of the common things in every society. It doesn't matter which society you go to. Women are expected to sacrifice more than anybody else, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that so, can lead to a lot of other problems, you know, mental issues, depression, 
and then sometimes you know when when women are depressed sometimes they start eating some you know what they call comfort food mhm yeah yes so that's absolutely what i see with my clients and so that's something that i work through with them specifically as a life coach so i did get my nutrition training um but i also got my masters degree in life coaching and i became a certified life coach with the international coaching federation which is one of the most reputable coaching organizations in the world and mm-hmm. so that's something that i'm really proud of and i chose to to become really specialized in life coaching um more so even than nutrition my my life coaching training is much more extensive than my nutrition training at least formally and the reason for that is because there's so much um overlap between our weight loss journey and the rest of our lives. This is what we're talking about here. You know, you're going to self-sabotage your weight loss journey if you're continually continuing to um basically go through a life that you feel like you want to numb out from. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason why I talk about nutrition as a form of self-care. Um actually looking at our own self-care is designing a life that we don't want to numb out from. It's designing a life that we love. And so we're going to find it a lot easier to take good care of ourselves um and we're going to find it a lot easier not to self sabotage if we're actually having a life that we don't feel like we need to constantly numb ourselves with food to get through. Mm-hmm. So um among your uh, the clients that you have had is there like an age range you know whether young or middle age or older women you know Yeah, I work with women of all ages actually. Um I tend to find that midlife is probably the the most popular age range like women in their um 40s and 50s. However, I have worked with clients in their 60s and I've also worked with clients in their 20s and 30s for sure. Wow. And uh and all all the clients you you see the same pattern no matter the age or no matter what they do in their life. I mean whether they are doing job or they are housewife do you see the same pattern or any difference maybe not women in their 20s as much um as you know 30s and above when we start to take on so many roles in life like being a wife and a mother and having a career and you know taking care of aging parents and you know just all sorts of things definitely our mental burden becomes a lot higher i think mm-hmm. in in the 30s there there can be exceptions some people get married young and have kids young um mm-hmm. but the feelings of um insecurity in your body measuring your self-worth by your what your body looks like um i think that that is universal across mm-hmm. across all ages yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I guess everybody everyone no matter their age everyone is always conscious that how good do I look you know mm-hmm. yeah some some yeah, people Yeah it's true some people think that you know like the clothes that they wear or makeup and some people will be conscious about how slim or how fat they are you know mm-hmm. Yeah and it's okay to care about how you look Um I think that you know it can become maladaptive when we're obsessed with it when we um don't have any separate standard for what we think looks beautiful and only base our self-worth in what other people find to be beautiful. I think that that can be dangerous. Um people struggle with body dysmorphia, you know, even when they are at a healthy weight, they see themselves as gross or fat. You know, I've been there. I have struggled with that. Um but I think it's okay to care about how you look. 
because your body is part of who you are. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we are all body, mind and, and spirit. And mm-hmm. so we're not a soul living in a body. We're not a, a body that has a soul or both, you know? And so our body it definitely is an expression of who we are. And I know what it feels like to walk by a mirror and feel like an alien in your own body. When you feel like your body is not an accurate expression of who you are, that's very um, disturbing and yeah. it can cause mental anguish. And so never do I want to keep judgment on women who do care about how they look and want to change how they look. I think that you can love your body and still want to change it because you don't care about something that you want to change. The fact that you want to change it is a sure sign that you care about it. And so there's a part of you that's trying to protect you. That's trying to help you become all that you can be. And that's a very good voice inside. And then Mm -hmm. we have to differentiate the other voice inside, which is just, you know, that inner jerk voice (laughs) probably, (laughs) you know, formed out of the role of whatever kind of, you know, um, critical caregiver you might've had, or maybe a teacher in life or whoever wounded you when you were a child. Um, Mm -hmm. It's formed that inner critical voice in your head too. And so it doesn't mean that anytime you feel unhappy with how you look, that you should throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say, oh, you know, looks don't matter health at any size, you know, yada, yada. I I do believe in that. Um, But I also don't, I don't believe in shaming women who are overweight. And I also don't believe in shaming women who want to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. uh, A lot of that goes on, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, especially because since now in this time, there's a lot of, because of all this glitz and glamour, you know, uh, has affected, you know, a lot of people. People think that they, all the celebrities or the models, they are like perfect and that I, I should be like them, you know. Right. And if, uh, if anyone is like, slightly fat the person is like you know being criticized and you know whatnot I remember I saw one uh, on television one video about a Chinese woman who was fat and her husband and her colleagues used to laugh at her you know so Mm -hmm. because of that she started going to the gym and doing extreme exercise to the extent that she became really slim and mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the opposite happened you know and then she got an offer of a modeling job which she accepted you know and then she was like showing off to her husband and to everybody that you know I am the person whom you people laughed at and now look now people are coming to me you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's what we call revenge weight loss. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I was like, look at me now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of transformations like that too on, you know, daytime TV, like Jerry Springer, you know, (laughs) the revenge weight loss of like losing all the weight and saying, ha, you know, in your face, what do you think of me now? But, you know, one thing that's important to, to remember is, that the way that you go about getting something done is the experience that you're going to continue to have, even when you get the results. So Mm -hmm. if you're going about it from a place of revenge, then you're still going to feel that even when you reach your goal weight, you're not going to feel self-love and you're not going to feel peace on the inside. You're still going to feel anger and and revenge, right? Just like in the the case of this woman, if you go about your weight loss journey from a place of restriction and self-punishment, well, you will lose weight 
but you're still going to feel restricted and punishing yourself in order to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go through it from that mindset. You can actually go through it from a place of self-care and showing love to your body and showing appreciation for your body. I'm treating my body well with the foods that I eat. I'm eating food that blesses my body. If I lose weight, wonderful. I do want to lose weight, but I'm going to do it from a place of ease and um, enjoyment and self-care because it's not going to magically, I've, I've done this before. Maybe you have too. I'm sure a lot of women that are listening, you know, you do finally see that number on the scale and it doesn't feel as good as what you thought it was going to feel mm-hmm. because you can't just flip a switch magically and go from hating yourself to finally seeing the magic number on the scale and actually loving yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. Um, you also don't need to magically teach yourself to love yourself right this second before you start to lose any weight. But I do think they go hand in hand. And that's because our, our feelings will follow our actions and vice versa. It is a feedback loop, but I think we hold the belief a lot of times that we first have to feel motivated or we first have to feel love for ourselves in order to treat ourselves with love. That's not true. If you're married or if you have kids, you know, a lot of times you don't feel love towards that person. They get on your nerves, right? (laughs) But you're still capable of practicing loving behavior towards that person in your life. And even if you don't feel like you love yourself, in fact, even if you feel like you hate yourself, you're still capable of practicing loving actions towards yourself. And that is actually what's going to change your feelings towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, if anybody wants to contact you for your services, how can that person uh, contact you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. My username is at the keto fit. So the keto fit, all one word, and just follow me on there. You can um, send me a direct message and I would love to work with you. You can also learn more on my website, the keto mm-hmm. um, I have all of my information there about my coaching services and you can put in a request for more information. If you'd like to do a free curiosity call, I do a free 30 minute phone call with anybody who's interested. And we will talk a little bit about coaching and what's involved, but above and beyond that, I will actually just give you some free customized keto advice. Advice is always free. Um, (laughs) So I would just love to bless you with that information because I know you might be listening right now and be like, what is she even talking about? This feels very confusing, or maybe you are interested in keto or you've already started it, but you still feel confused. You know, should I do it this way or that way? And it just seems like there's so much information out there. So I would love to help bring some clarity for you again, totally for free. If you want to sign up for that free curiosity call. Um, And then also I wanted to let your listeners know that even if somebody um, is interested in this topic in approaching nutrition from a place of self-care and shifting your mindsets out of self-sabotage and into self-care surrounding food, weight, and body image. But you don't have the financial means right now to work with a coach, or you just don't even have the time to dedicate to work with a coach. I have a resource for you. And this is called my self-care keto guided mindset journal. And that's on my website, theketofit.com slash journal. And this is a mindset journal. So it actually gives you specific prompts that you can do to work on your mindset. There's 10 different mindset exercises in the journal um, that I have used with my clients one-on-one over the last four years that have helped them to lose weight and transform their mindsets and change their lives. And so I wanted to make that available and accessible to anyone who is interested. And that's available for $39. That's US dollars. There's also payment plans available. So you can actually make it in four payments of $9.75. Again, that's US dollars. Um, Or you can pay it off with PayPal credit over six months. 
So don't let that hold you back. If there's something calling you today and you're interested in this topic and you want some help in this area, um, you can go over to theketofit.com slash journal and get that as an instant download today. Wow, that's great. So uh, thank you very much, Jess, for your time. And uh, I hope uh, you get some more clients through this episode. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I will put the link to your website in the description box. And uh, I hope uh, those of you who are, who are listening, you will benefit from uh, this episode. And if you have any uh, weight loss issue, anything you want to talk about the keto plan, you can contact Jess from the website link that I will provide in the description box. So uh, we will stop here. Thank you so much for your time. And I will see you in the next episode.